Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Guts, as Carl Spackler once said, traveling around with a hose and a six-pack from Caddyshack. That was just nasty. I mean, it looked like a preseason game. And that was the Jaguars yesterday, but that was the league yesterday. And that is just so incredibly disappointing. Um, I've spent a lot of time on this and I'm I'm trying to figure out why that is and what's going on and obviously the officiating has an awful lot to do with it but Tom Brady recently said and I think it was like Alex Smith who countered and some others who bounced back he said there's not great play right now in the NFL things are clearly down and I don't think anyone out there regardless of how much of a fan you are could argue with that point. All right, it's good to have you with us. Another week right here on your home of the Jags. You're still in fine shape. They're 8-5. and five. I know it's tough right now because Jacksonville's lost back-to-back games to backup quarterbacks. How does that happen? Jake Browning spinning a web. Okay. Um, yesterday, Cool Joe and Joe Cool Flacco. A couple of weeks removed from the couch, again, throwing for 300-plus and three touchdowns in the victory. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, but uh, we'll take a look at things. You know, my name is Rick Bull alongside J.J. LaSalle. We'll be with you tonight till 8 o'clock and certainly got an awful lot of good things to do here over the next couple of hours. I've always been one of those who believes in this field or in any field, in any profession, uh, you never bite the hand that feeds you, right? This is something that's kind of driven me crazy over the three-plus decades that I've done this, and that's when you will talk to producers or hosts, and you say, hey, man, what's up? And they go, nothing much. And I'm like, nothing much? How the hell am I supposed to do a radio show if nothing much is going on? you got to find something. There's no such thing as the dog days. Every single show, you better be prepared. You've, You've got to make it as if... This is can't miss, okay? Today is the biggest day on the sports calendar. So I've always subscribed to that feeling. But the quality of play in the sports that we cover suck, okay? I mean, it's at an all-time low. We witnessed the transition about a decade ago in college basketball. You're letting guys play one year and leave. Now you add the transfer portal. So you go to that game, what do you have? Guys can't inbound the basketball. Guys can't make free throws. You don't have like what I witnessed when I got in this in the very early 90s where, you know, here would come Dean Smith with Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace and Tim Duncan, a fourth-year senior at Wake Forest, and Joe Smith and that great Maryland team when they were in the ACC, and you had New Jersey's favorite Jim Rat and Bobby Hurley, and you had Christian Leitner and Thomas Hill and Grant Hill. 
juniors and seniors. They got better year after year after year after year after year after year. They got better. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, right? They're one and done. They go overseas. They go elsewhere. So we kind of said goodbye to college basketball, and I, I threw it out there. I was like, does it matter? The quality of play is nowhere the way it once was, but you still do what? You root for the jersey. The front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. It's hard to have affection anymore for college basketball, college football players. They leave too quick. It's hard on you. All right? It's always been hard at the professional game because with free agency and just the revolving door that is professional athletics, uh, you go out and buy a jersey, chances are in a year or two, he's no longer going to be a part of that particular team. So we've had to adjust. We've had to understand over the years that it better be about the team. If you're basing it on individual players, brother, you're going to get scorned. Okay? You're going to be a lover in heat because they're going to disappoint you. They're going to pack up and they're going to leave. They don't care about you. I say it all the time. The fans don't care about you. They care about themselves. They care about their money. They care about their family. And you know what? I get it. It's understandable. But along the way, we're starting to see more and more poor quality of play. What did we talk about last week? Young guys not understanding assignments, right? Gregory Jr., some isolation or, you know, some motion offense that Cincinnati ran. I mean, to the point where Doug Peterson had to say, do you mind being a little bit quieter on defense? so our younger players can get the communication. It's unbelievable. It's the first time I've ever heard that defensively. Parker Washington on offense, right, ran the wrong route. That's the reason why Walker Little got blown back into the uh, ankle of of Trevor Lawrence. So it's young guys. It's their full-time job. But they're young guys, okay? Quality of play uh, is down Uh, this week. Calvin Ridley, what's going on? It's, what was it, week 14, game 13? Um, how are you not running the right route? How do you not know not to turn your head and look for the football? It was good to finally see Trevor Lawrence take on that leadership and kind of be like, what the hell's going on? I remember that was really a big concern of mine a few years ago, uh, talking about that, and we're seeing it more on a, on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, Doug Peterson today comes out, and he's like, well, we missed a week of practice. What? I mean, it's your full-time job. It's your full-time job. How do you not know at this particular time in the year how to run the right route? I can't believe that they're constantly mixing up coverages and doing things that are different that – You need that practice week. This was close to a miracle that Trevor Lawrence got out there and played. And frankly, his teammates didn't do enough to support him. So we're seeing poor quality football on offense. We're seeing poor quality football on defense. We're also in an era where we are surrounded by the worst officiating we have ever seen. And I no longer know what I can do about it or what you can do about it. It's just going to be literally a roll of the dice every single Sunday. You do not know. 
you're getting winning teams now. Miles Garrett, certainly a big part of it yesterday in Cleveland. You're getting winning teams that are coming out and complaining after each and every game. College and pro, it's beyond a travesty. And I don't know what they're going to be able to do to fix this. That's the problem. Um, you know, you, you bring up age, and then, oh, you're just discriminating against. Oh, you have something uh, against old people. Well, you know what? I'm in my 50s. I, I think that should basically be the line. Okay? You should be young. You should be athletic. Here's an idea. Why not pay them a ton of money? Why not make people want to become an official? You're sitting on Santa's lap. Oh, you're such a good boy. What do you want to do? You know, I want to be the president. Oh, I want to be a football player. You know what you never hear is someone say, I want to be a referee. I want to be an umpire. I want to be an official. Why don't we start paying them a whole heck of a lot of money and get some younger folks in there who take this seriously? And let's start to bring along a little bit of transparency. None of this pool reporter, only one member of the media can ask a question at the end of the game. I remember getting reprimanded, I don't know, five, six years ago, the time Nick Foles went down and threw that touchdown pass against Kansas City. Can't remember if it was Frank Clark or Chris Jones who landed on him. I think it was Frank Clark. And I asked the official at halftime, as a sideline reporter, I said, why didn't you throw a 15-yard personal foul? The brand-new rule was put into effect that you put the entire defensive body weight on the quarterback. And in my opinion, he did on that particular play. Uh, you know what the referee did? Refused to answer my question, then complained to Jaguars officials. Complained to Dan Edwards and everyone else, and, you know, I, I was reprimanded for it. I, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to ask the question. I mean, that y- you learn, you, you know, whatever. Um, but that's the way that they handled it. That's how scared they are. That's how sensitive they are. Instead of just brushing it off, and going in and, and uh, using the restroom and eating a hot dog and coming back out. No, he had to pick up the phone, place a call. Hey, your sideline reporter, you know, he attacked me in the hallway in the tunnel. He asked why this was going on and why that wasn't. Co- I mean, it's unbelievable. So there is an incredible sense of sensitivity uh, with the officials. But it's getting worse and worse and worse. You can't watch a game without it absolutely affecting the outcome. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't. But here we are with two games tonight and then four weeks to go. And this is one of the craziest scenarios I can ever think of. For the life of me right now, I cannot even come close to trying to figure out who the best team is in the National Football League. I mean, who is it? Is it San Francisco? San Francisco came here a month ago. They had lost three straight. Now the 49ers have won five in a row. Is it Philadelphia? They've lost two straight. Is it Kansas City who all of a sudden looks old? Is it Kansas City who all of a sudden looks soft offensively? Is it Kansas City who looks completely out of sorts as far as their wide receivers? They've lost three of four. 
Um, is it Denver? I mean, Denver? Denver's won six out of seven. And it remains one of the greatest secrets right now in the NFL. Look what happened here. Two backup quarterbacks in consecutive weeks knock off the Jaguars. And now you are getting set to take on maybe the best team in the NFL in Baltimore, who struggled mightily yesterday and had to win a game in overtime uh, on a punt return. So that is where we are, and that is what today's NFL is all about. This is going to be a week after week just trying to survive, just trying to stay healthy. And I still think the team with the best quarterback or one of the teams with one of the best quarterbacks is going to be the less uh, is going to be the last team standing in February. But right now, I don't know if I guarantee that. What we're seeing is unlike anything that I can remember in quite some time in the NFL. Uh, nonetheless, that's the game that we have, and 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 I get it that regardless of the low quality of play, you still love it, right? I mean, it's still all you got. I just, and again, I try to be careful because I'm always trying to pump up the sport, pump up the game, promote the next contest, right? That's what I'm all about. I I, I never want to be, oh, this is awful, that's awful, this is awful, that is awful. But, I mean, to you youngsters out there, I I, I honestly kind of feel for you. I do. It's a shame that you didn't get to see this league in the 70s and in the 80s. And when the Jaguars got here in 95, it was a totally different brand of football. And it was much more of a team game. Run first league. Then the great quarterbacks came in primarily in the 80s. The passing game took over. Okay, it was also in the late 70s with, um, you know, Air Coriel and what have you, and obviously Gil Brandt and Tech Schramm and what have you, the, uh, the Roger Staubach to uh, Jacksonville's own, the bullet Bob Hayes. But for the most part, it was getting it done on the ground and, and playing great defense. And it felt like the officiating didn't always come into play then. And it was a totally different world. You didn't have the lines there where you could see the first down markers. Um, But it was kind of an acceptance that a play was called, a result happened, weren't nearly as many penalties. I mean, last night's game between Dallas and Philadelphia, there were, I think there were 10 penalties in the first quarter. You know, my the GF's a Dallas fan. And it was like the Jags game was bad enough. Then I kind of suffered through that Kansas City game. And I'm like halfway through it. And I'm like, I'm grabbing a book. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to watch the game with one eye and, and read a book with the other eye. Because it's, first of all, you got to listen to freaking Chris Collinsworth, which is bad enough. And then, you know, you're trying to watch this game. And seriously, it's every other play. Penalty. Every fourth play, a man's down with an injury and in a review. And I'm sitting there and I'm disgusted and I'm thinking, oh my God, you have such a cool life. 
you watch football games, and then you turn around and you talk about it. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for? Yet, even on my lazy boy, on an off day, I'm totally rattled. I am. I'm like, this isn't fun. <laughs> Watching the Jaguars game wasn't fun. 15 punts, 7 turnovers, terrible play by the offense, not knowing where to go, awful play by the defense. It it was like, this is not what these players are getting paid for. You expect better results. Now, obviously, wins over losses, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about being able to run the football. I'm talking about the 10 quarterback hits that Trevor Lawrence took, even though he was an injured football player and toughed it out yesterday. I'm talking about wrong routes that were run by the offense. I'm talking about defensive players who are not doing what is expected. And uh, I came out of the whole thing really, really bothered immensely bothered uh, maybe i'm not the only one maybe i not maybe i need to start boozing uh with you folks on sunday i don't i'm stone sober maybe the jaguars or maybe i should say maybe the nfl has become a league that if you're gonna watch it you better be under no shortage of at least two substances Because it was really painful yesterday. And let me tell you something, folks. I hate saying this. This really bothers me that I'm coming in here tonight saying this. Because this is not promoting the game, as I've always tried to do. This is literally biting the hand that feeds me. What a bad product the NFL was yesterday. Just a shame, top to bottom, <laughs> a 3 nothing game. I mean, you can't make that up. 3 nothing. Uh, yesterday in that uh, one battle that we did see. All right, so who is the best team right now in the NFL? And does it matter? Does it matter right now if you're the best team on the 11th day of December, for crying out loud, with four weeks to go? How many more starting quarterbacks are we going to see that are going to go down? I mean, Houston looked like one of those teams. Right, All of a sudden yesterday, they get absolutely clobbered and they lose C.J. Stroud. Uh, The Lions were a team that I kind of put in as the third best in the NFC. I've always thought it's been San Francisco and Philadelphia. Then I was going with Detroit. I mean, they got slaughtered yesterday at Chicago. Um, Dallas all of a sudden has won five in a row. Do you have any faith in that team that they can actually win January football games? They're seven and zero at home. They struggle a little bit on the road. Uh, they're only three and three. And as I said at the top, all of a sudden the Philadelphia Eagles look as though they're beginning uh, to leak some oil as well. So we got a lot to do as far as that tonight. Uh, just the league in itself. You know, if you're a gambler and you win, you're okay. I guess if you play fantasy and you win, that's okay. Maybe that's another side of it that I don't see. I'm talking about poor quality of play. But if you bet and you win, you don't care, right? What about fantasy? If you're winning, you don't care. 
I can't be the only one who's upset about the quality of play that we're watching, right? I mean, let me know. 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Maybe you're okay with it. If so, all the power to you. Um, but to me, it's it, it you know it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Jaws, the great Jaws, best motion picture of all time. And then you get Jaws two, and it's like okay, they did a pretty good job with number two. It's not Jaws, but it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good film. Then all of a sudden they drop on you Jaws 3 in 3D, and I think they said that this time it's personal. I mean, the Sharks got a personal vendetta against the family out there in, uh, in Martha's Vineyard or whatever, and it becomes really difficult to watch. That's how I feel about today's NFL. It's becoming hard to watch. I had a good conversation with someone about this the other day. I was like, and, and, and for the record, JJ, you know this. For the record, I have always said I enjoy the offseason more than I enjoy in season. Even though for people who do what we do, the offseason is much more challenging to keep you, the listener, to talk about things that you are going to be interested in during the offseason. I have always loved the offseason more than in season. And and primarily that reason was because just about all of it is measured by wins and losses. And unfortunately with this franchise year after 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 year, they're a losing franchise. Well they've won the last two years, so it's kind of cool. But I never thought I would enter into that now it's just the quality of the play is bad. The league's bad. A lot, a lot of players who shouldn't be playing are playing. And they make as many mistakes as they do good plays. That's hard. That, that's really, really painful. You know, if it was a restaurant, people wouldn't go back. It's not. It's the NFL. And it's all you got. So you're going to return, and they do in record numbers. But... You are becoming accustomed to poor play, and you accept poor play because you love the game that much. I want your response to this tonight. I haven't even gotten into the Jaguars. All that positivity is coming up on the other side. Opening comments tonight are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Why Schmunez Vision? Well, I've known Dr. Neil Schmunez uh, for uh, years and years and years. Okay, and they're a family organization. They focus on personal, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez is fellowship-trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Sure, they're the place to go if you need uh, an eye examination. Sure, they're the place to go if you think, hey, maybe it's now time for uh, contacts. Uh, Absolutely, they're the place to go if you're getting a little bit older and you're getting blurry vision or redness in your eyes. And some of the office said, well, you may need cataract surgery. You may have an issue with your cataract. Hey, that could all be true. You may have an issue. You may not need surgery. There may be a simple remedy uh, that they can fix over there at Schmunez Vision. But surgery is what they do, including on my right eye eight and a half years ago by, doc, by uh, Dr. Neil Schmunez. So they are your one stop for everything that is your eyes for your entire Family. Your best bet, just go to schmunezvision.com. 
or give them a call at 299-2906. Again, that's schmunezvision.com. Care you can save. You got a ton to do. It's a Monday edition. Your best bet, 641-1010. That is the text line. Your comments brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. It is a Monday night, and this is Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, today's show brought to you by Patriot Roofing Services. Right here in Duval, give my buddy Mark Tozzolo a phone call at 982-4052. Or better yet, just check him out online. Patriot Roofing Services, whether it's commercial or residential. Roofing and repairs, gutters, sun tubes, skylights, 10-year workmanship warranty, financing available. Discounts for military and senior citizens. No subcontractors, so you're just dealing strictly with Mark at Patriot Roofing Services. Licensed and insured. So whether it's a, a current roof that needs to be totally replaced or repaired, just look for Patriot Roofing Services. The incomparable J.J. LaSelva is Yo. with us. Good weekend for you. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't really do much. No. A better weekend for Shohei Otani. Wow. But uh, pretty good for me. $700 million. Yeah. When's the first... One billion dollar contract. How many years away are we? Um, I still think we're a good ten years away. Because it won't that. be able to happen in football well, because of the cap. Exactly. And how many guys play both positions? He basically got paid as two players, so I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um but the story today was the deferred money. It's nuts. So for he signed a ten year deal. Every year he's only making two million. The Dodgers are paying him two million, and then at the end of his contract, for ten years, he will be paid sixty-eight million dollars a year. So everyone jokes about the Bobby Bonilla day, how he gets like a deferred million dollars every year for like the next however long it is. This makes that look silly. Sixty-eight million. Wow. And. Uh, but if you look at inflation and what might, you know, he might lose a lot of that value in real dollars. Yeah. I, I don't know. He obviously know. doesn't care. But I also saw that if he's not living in the state of California at that time when the deferred payments are happening, then he doesn't have to pay the California taxes. So that would be interesting to see. Let's say he plays 10 years and then that kicks in. You know, we see these ownership changes all the time. Yeah. You're going to have to take into consideration about a. Six hundred and eighty million. Yeah, six hundred and eighty million dollar contract. I mean, if you're selling the franchise for three, four billion, you're going to be paying off. Never thought about it like that. Yeah, but I, I'm surprised more athletes don't get the deferred money. I understand the other side of it too. Get it all. Get a good financial advisor. Watch it grow. Take care of the money yourself. Right. I I typically never start with a. Uh, with a text, but this is a good one, and I, I kind of got off the point, 3970, not to say that all ears are not good. Hey, Blue. He just calls me Blue, B-L-U-E. <laughs> hey, Blue. You're my boy, Blue. Hey, Blue. Why don't, in the NFL, why don't they pay the referees and officials more than what the national broadcasting systems do? 
I'm, I, like I, the announcers? More I, than I, the announcers? I, yeah, I, I guess that's what he means there. And obviously broadcasters are making way, way more money than, than officials. But, but I'm serious about this, okay? And I don't know if it's ever going to happen. And whenever I talk about it, I get the one or two. I get the obligatory. You're discriminating against age. Uh, that's not my intent. But the games that they are calling totally discriminate against age. When you get into your late 20s or your 30s and you can't run as fast as you once did and you're not as strong as you once were, they say goodbye to you for younger players, okay? That's any sport that we follow. Why do you think the the Joe Flacco story was so cool in so many circles? Because he's a 38-year-old man who came off the couch and won a football game yesterday. We see these officials who are clearly old and they can't keep up on the field, on the ice, on the hardwood. Then they have conversations, and I don't know if they're all talking at once or they're not listening to the others, but these huddle-ups trying to get it right is beyond annoying. So why not make this attractive for... I don't want to say failed players, but folks who played the game, Division I, AA, a couple of years here maybe in Canadian football or arena football, maybe even a few years in the NFL, but guys who are in good shape, guys who are intelligent, guys who are in gals, okay, because there are female referees as well in the NFL, you are graded on your performance. So I know some people, when I've raised this before, have said, well, everyone's got an agenda. You can't bring in this guy from this school, then all of a sudden he's out there in the middle of a game and he's clearly favoring this team over that team. Maybe he once played for that team and they cut him, so he's got a vendetta against them, or the quarterback on that team was his rival in college and he's got – okay, well, you grade him. You grade him, and if they don't do well, you get rid of them, just like they do in any other – factor of life, any other business that we're a part of, if you don't do well, they say goodbye to you. They go get someone else. I think that might be part of the main problem, though. It, it's not easy to fire these guys. I mean, we see in baseball with Angel Hernandez, like... That's a travesty in itself. These dudes who are, have been doing it for so long, they're just, like, locked in. It's time for it's change. It's almost like their union's as strong as the teachers' union, I feel like. You can't fire these people. It's time for change. I, I, I hate that I'm wasting my time on a Monday talking about this. And, oh, by the way, this isn't the reason why Jacksonville lost yesterday. Okay? But it's, it's rearing its ugly head. All the time. I went to the Florida State-Miami football game back in October. They reviewed three calls during that game. They got them all wrong. (laughs) I mean, Jordan Travis, that was a safety. They got it wrong. I'm trying to remember the other two. I think one might have been a targeting. They got it wrong. And they spent so long doing it, too. It it wastes all your time. So if we're just going to review things and get it wrong anyway, what's the point of the review? That's kind of my point, is that with all the technology that they have, they're still getting these calls wrong. And and you can see it from the stadium seat on the the scoreboard. You can see it from your your couch. (laughs) The announcers can see it. 
the television broadcast referee, retired referee, can see it. I mean, the clipping they called last night on Dallas on the rookie Carter out of Georgia uh, for Philadelphia was just an absolute egregious call, a, a, a massive miss. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to spend any more time on this. I do want to get to the Jaguars. But you bring this up, and I did, I think, back in January or February. And what did Roger Goodell say? He looked straight into the camera and told us that the officiating has never been better, that the officiating is the best it's ever been in this league. And then you just look back at a guy like Roger Goodell and you say to yourself, wow, I mean, this really is a racket. It is. They'll say anything and we become sheep. The commissioner of the league, Remember two years ago when he said that injuries or the concussions were actually down even though they added a game? That's what the commissioner of this league said. Statistically speaking, concussions are down even though we've added a game. I mean, how does that work? And then a year later, when it came out that the numbers had grown significantly, what did the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, say? Oh, well, that's because doctors have enhanced technology. And they are now discovering more things in the brain that could, in fact, be CTE or lead to some sort of a concussion that they weren't able to discover or notice a year earlier. They're lying to you. The paying customer. The head guy of the entire league, the commissioner. He lies to you when he talks. (laughs) I mean, what more example? What more of two examples could you possibly ask for than that? Concussions in referees. Again, it's it's like a mafia role. It is. It feels like the mob. It's like, listen, don't mess with us. You're not a part of us. You don't know what a murder means. Just leave it alone. And if you're going to talk about it on the radio, be careful when you start your beautiful key GMC truck when you get into the parking lot after the program. If it goes up, we understand why. All right, I want to change this subject, and I want to change it immediately. Let's get to Doug Peterson today. The Jaguars' rushing attack has been really, really bad, and it's been something that we've been talking about here now on a week-to-week basis uh, really for the last month. Uh, They haven't been able to rush for more than 100 yards. In two of these three games, they stayed consistent with 36 carries, I believe, against Tennessee. I want to say they had 30 carries against Houston. Yesterday, you had a ratio of 50 Trevor Lawrence passers uh, to only 20 rushing attempts. You're not going to win in this league when the ratio is 50 to 20. So, Doug Peterson, what are you going to do? to get this rushing attack going? Obviously, you got to find ways to improve, um, possibly getting back to some of the uh, some of the schemes that worked uh, earlier in the season or, you know, um, what, what helped Travis, you know, break free. Obviously, the, the injury situation, you know, in the offensive line has you know, affected that just a little bit, having that continuity up front. It's something that we, uh, we're, we're focused on, just, again, finding those – schemes that have worked in our past um, 
and, and trying to tap back into that to, to see if we can't, you know, jumpstart the run game. <laughs> okay. I mean, sounds to me like he's searching for answers. Uh, first time in a while the Jaguars are less than 100 yards a game, 99.8, 24th in the NFL. I find it hard to believe that they're going to be a playoff um, playoff factor if they're not averaging 100 yards a game on the ground. Travis Etienne is getting it out. Travis Etienne took the bullet yesterday. He put it all on himself. It's not on himself. The interior offensive line has been soft. It's been soft and friendly. And 219 carries for ETM with four games to go. He's averaging 3.7 carry. Um, it's terrible. It's just awful. Dearness Johnson, 34 for 102. That's three a carry. They had Tank Bigsby active yesterday. I think he played one play. Didn't get a carry. He's got 36 for 86. That's an average of 2.4 uh, per. That That has to change. And this is a football team that is talented enough that if defenses say, okay, you're not going to beat us with a run, you're going to have to beat us by moving the football downfield in the air, Jacksonville should be a good enough football team to win that way. And they didn't yesterday. It was a very disappointing offensive day outside of obviously what Trevor Lawrence was able to do with Evan Ingram. I mean, you look at the numbers, Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley. Oh, my gosh, man. A combined nine for 27. If you look at completion, uh, completions to attempts, nine for 27. Now, I know Zay's been hurt and he came back. I know he's been dealing with some personal problems. Um, Calvin Ridley, I, I I don't know what to say because I'm I'm dumbfounded here. I mean, no one bragged more about Calvin Ridley than I did in the month of August. I mean, ask yourself this, Jaguar fans. He's going to be the age of 29, I believe, this month. Uh, after what you've seen, 13 games in, are you willing to pay this man top five wide receiver money in the NFL? No way. No way. You need offensive linemen. You need defensive linemen. Let's see. He turns uh, 29 in eight days. The 20th of December. So eight and a half days away. And he turns the age of of 29 and 55 receptions, 97 targets. Totally mind boggling. I, I wish I could tell you what is going on here. I mean, I'm shocked by this. I, regardless of what happens with the 2024, uh, excuse me, 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars getting into the, you know, March and the 2024 offseason. I don't think anything is going to surprise me more than the lack of productivity from Calvin Ridley. I honestly thought this man was going to catch 85 balls, score 10 touchdowns, you know, have 1,250, 1,300 yards. You saw how much during this loss this team really misses Christian Kirk. 
Christian Kirk is their best wide receiver. Christian Kirk, outside of some drops here and there, he is a reliable target for Trevor Lawrence. And we're not getting it right now with Christian, uh, excuse me, with, with Calvin Ridley. There's a guy right there that coming out of camp, I had him even above Josh Allen. I had the priority list of Jaguars that needed to get re-signed beginning in March of 2024. It went Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley. Now I'm kind of like, well, do you think Trevor will play the fourth year under a rookie contract? And uh uh-uh, let Calvin go, address it elsewhere, either through free agency or go get a guy in the NFL draft uh, to be a younger wide receiver. And that's, again, that's disappointing because I love the story. And did he ever look the part in August? I mean, I haven't seen a guy like that out there at training camp at wide receiver, probably going back to the Justin Blackman days. That's how noticeable it was. But it hasn't rubbed off so far 13 games into the season. All right, we got much more to do. More of your comments as well. 641-1010. Thoughts on Calvin Ridley uh, and the rushing attack or the lack thereof. What's this team going to do here? Uh, It's a week-to-week league. We get it. And and things absolutely change in a moment's notice. But all of a sudden, this looks like a big deal. And And I understand. I recognize completely the injuries that this football team has. And that is absolutely a huge part of all this. All right, 641-1010. That's the best way to join us. That is the text line. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the best bit of news yesterday is that the ankle held up for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you need a quarterback to win in this league. We're already discussing how all of a sudden the Jaguars can no longer run the football. There, there's no fear out of any defenses when it comes to the Jaguars running the ball. Uh, it's a soft offensive line. And you cannot run with your guards and center. You're down to your third and or fourth left tackle. I know Hans went in. Then it was Cleveland who got the start. He got nicked up. Hans came back over and played when Shatley uh, took over at left guard. Yeah, I'm looking at the top five leading rushers. McCaffrey, 5.2 in average. Henry. 4-3. The kid who goes tonight, Mostert, 5-1. Swift, 4-6. And then it's ETN, 3-7. Uh, Josh Jacobs right behind him, 3-5. You know, Kyron Williams, 5. Pollard, 4-1. The rookie, uh, Robinson in Atlanta, 4-7. Cook in Buffalo. Those are your top 10 rushers at 4-8. Um, that, that is a massive eyesore. And if you don't want to base it on numbers, okay. You don't have to base it on numbers, but I, I don't know what else you can do. He's third in carries. So let me look up attempts. Attempt, he, so he's fifth in yardage. He's third in carries. 
Jacobs 233, McCaffrey 226, ETN 219. He is a bell cow. And they're they're just not getting it done right now on the ground. And it's going to be tough to expect that to change considering you've lost a lot of key offensive players. You lost your best wide receiver, and you've lost, obviously, some off that offensive line. Uh, 57-89, Blue, why isn't the Jacks media all over Peterson? Wrong routes, poor tackling, stupid penalties are his responsibility. He seems to get a pass for every loss, but praise muddily when they win. Well, a couple of things here. Number one, he's brought a winning brand of football to Jacksonville, right? I mean, besides the one-year run with Marone, we, we need to remember that. Gus Bradley, Doug Marone, Urban Meyer, that's a losing brand of football. So he's brought a winning pedigree with him. Um, the other side, this isn't a brutal media. You don't have a lot of contrarians in this media that are trying to make a name for themselves by firing coaches. I, I, I think most of the people here want to continue to work here, right? And trying to make a name for themselves by saying things and demanding a firing and this and that or really calling them out, that's few and far between. Now, I will say this. There have been times, and I'll speak for only myself now, where I have been openly critical. Week two, why they didn't add to Anton Harrison and chip against Chris Jones. I lost my mind. Doug Peterson, after two straight losses, Kansas City and Houston saying, we got to get out of here. We got to go to, we got to go to London and making it seem like this was Philadelphia, making it seem like this was an East Coast city where people were going crazy. No, that's not the case. I was really bothered by that. I was bothered by him last week talking about noise on defense. There's been a lot of scenarios and examples where I have questioned the coach, but I don't think he should be on the firing squad, not even close to it. Not even close. He's not perfect. And we played that answer earlier for you about 20 minutes ago, talking about the rushing offense. To to me, it didn't sound like there was a lot of confidence in that statement. It seemed really underwhelming, kind of like, I'm trying to figure this thing out myself. But, you know, I get it. You're frustrated. If you want to blame the media, fine. I I just don't think you're going to get that here. There are people in those major metropolitan cities, East Coast cities, that are paid well to do just that. They literally root for the Patriots, both New York teams, Philadelphia. They root for them to lose because that's their, that's their mantra, right? Be the negative guy. Be the, they should have done this, they should have done that. They need to fire this guy, they need to bench that. You don't have that around here. You know, I, I, you just don't. If you do, let me know who it is. I'd like to meet him. I've never met him from 95 on. It's just, you get a little bit more of that in college, right? That's a totally different world uh, in college. 
I, I, I think fans are far more sensitive in the college game than they are here in the NFL game. Um, but I, you know, that's the answer. He's brought a winning brand of football to this city. You're still in first place. You got a record of eight and five. And I, and I absolutely understand your frustration because you're probably thinking right now this team should be 10 and three or this team should be, you know, nine and four or whatever. You're not. You're 10 and three. And you're a three point underdog this weekend at home where you've struggled, right? You're much more successful out on the road. You lost for the first time. This weekend in Cleveland, you had been, what, 6-0 and zero away from the bank so far this year. Now you're trying to get back on the winning ways by knocking off the Ravens. All right, let's get to our second hour. More from you, 641-1010. Again, that is our text line. That's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. With you tonight, up until 8. To the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, another hour, another day coming. Big matchup this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. Crazy league right now. Just trying to figure it out, man. It's hard. I, I, you know, I miss the days of dynasties and knowing who the winners are. Who is the best team right now in the NFL? Is it San Francisco? And all this quarterback talk, I you know, I keep saying you can't win without a great quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, this early in his career. San Francisco came here and we talked about a must win. They've now won five in a row. Is it Baltimore? You know, they had to win in overtime yesterday. All this Dallas hype, I'm just not a believer based on failure by the Cowboys. In the month of January, right? It's it's kind of it, it's like Buffalo to me. Buffalo got a big win yesterday, but that's Buffalo to me. I, I got to see it, and I know Dallas. You know they won in the seventies and they won in the nineties. Uh, Philadelphia leaking a lot of oil, right? Is it the team we're going to watch tonight in Miami? To, to to me, I have not recognized Miami like these other teams. A phenomenal offense. Can score from anywhere on the football field. After that, where do you go? Jacksonville, Detroit. I mean, could it possibly be? I, I, I even smile when I mention Denver or Cleveland. I'm like, not a believer. Kansas City looks old. Kansas City's wide receivers look disinterested. Valdez Scantling getting upset with the media. Um, Kadarius Tony's always been a turd. You know it. I know it. He always has. It continues to act that way. I don't know. Who's the best team right now in the NFL? I would say San Francisco. Um, but Dallas, like you said, they look great. It's the regular season, though. And it's impossible for me to buy in until, like you said, I see them at least go to, like, the NFC title game or something. Yeah. Uh, Rick, the tag next year is $19 million for receivers. No way. Nineteen seven, I think. I did read a report over the weekend that next year's salary cap is supposed to be 
240, I believe. Let me see. I actually wrote it down. Uh, Right now, it's 224.8. It is expected to go to around $240 million. So, I mean, this team has so many decisions that they have to make. You're not just kind of coasting through the offseason and, you know, adding a part here, adding a part there. You're going to have to totally redo this football team. You're going to have to restructure some current contracts, and you are going to have to say goodbye to a lot of household names. Now, right now, the only two that I can see on this offensive line next year is Walker Little and Anton Harrison. And Walker Little's missing a lot of reps. Let's get to Doug Peterson. He mentioned uh, Walker Little today. I feel like I need to bring some good news uh, to the program. Let's, Let's get to number four here, J.J., Here's Doug Peterson earlier today on the Jaguars starting left tackle. Yeah, optimistic. Um, you know, we'll see these next couple of days um, and when we get to Wednesday, uh, but optimistic that he can maybe get some, some reps, he and Brenton Strange both possibly this week. Strange has been out. You know, the foot, the toe. Andre Sisco has a groin. Tyson Campbell deactivated. Trey Herndon. The concussion protocol. Boy, Antonio Johnson, I think, is going to be a good football player. That fifth-round pick may end up being arguably the second-best pick of this draft class. I'm, yeah, I'm big on Parker Washington as well. I know a lot of folks yesterday were disgruntled with him um, fooling around a little bit too much as a punt returner. I thought he got better throughout the course of the day. I think he'll get better with more reps with more opportunities. That touchdown reception he made in the corner of the end zone, that deserves to be recognized. That's a big-time play. And, you know, Jamal Agnew, I think, is a guy among those that you just can't count on for next year. He's too expensive for a guy who's been injury-prone in his career. But that entire offensive line, outside of both tackles, Zay's gone, right? And, and, and I just don't see it right now with Calvin Ridley. You're going to have to overpay to keep Calvin Ridley. I, I don't want to spend everything on what this team's going to do during the offseason. But um, uh, we'll see. Uh, 94-75, Blue Ridley will leave and put up 1,400 yards next year. <laughs> it's funny how that works. He's yeah. never done that in his whole career. Right. I, he got close, but he's had he had a 1,300-yard season, but that was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jaguars numbers-wise uh, almost doesn't add up to eight and five, or certainly they didn't add up to eight and three. Eight and five makes a little bit more sense than uh, than eight and three. Wasn't a perfect game for Trevor, uh-uh, but he got clobbered, man. He got ten, he got hit ten times. And, you know, I you know I. I made a big deal about it last week, about how I would have sat him. And then, yeah, I kind of went through that whole rant of, well, who am I to say sit him? You know, I never played the game. I'm not mentally tough like he is. How dare I question his will and his want to? I think he showed an awful lot. I, I, I just wish the team responded. They seem to be unfazed about anything, win or lose. We need to see when they get down to the locker room this weekend 
or this week to to kind of get a feeling for you know what's what's going on with this football team right now. They they don't get too high, they don't get too low. Th- this all of a sudden is going to turn into one of those games where I think most out there are going to pick Baltimore. Uh, I got burnt by picking Jacksonville against Cincinnati on a Monday night. I got burnt by picking Jacksonville on the road at Cleveland, even though in the regular season, you know, when we went back and made our picks, I had them losing both those games. But I thought it would be Joe Burrow here on a Monday night, and I thought it would be Deshaun Watson in the cold at Cleveland. Neither of the two happened. I reversed my picks the Friday before the game, and I ended up losing them both. I think this week, you know, just looking at it, it feels like Baltimore comes in here and wins. They they, they have a short memory. They haven't forgotten about what happened here a year ago. And right now the Ravens, all of a sudden they're tied with the Jaguars as – the best road football team in the NFL. Baltimore is five and one. Uh, excuse me, they're five and one away so far this year. We know the Jaguars lost for the first time. You can do whatever you want with those two London games. Totals forty three and a half. Baltimore favored by three and a half. So a little bit of Baltimore money coming in early in the week. I'll have to see what's going on as far as their injuries and their health. Of course, Jacksonville absolutely beaten up on both sides of the football. But even that game yesterday, J.J., you know, keeping an eye on it, it's like I kind of figured Baltimore would win that game. It's always tough. Um, the Rams are pretty good. They are pretty good, yes. Like, I, I they they're always in these games late. I didn't expect them to win, but I totally expected them to cover the whole time. I thought the number was crazy. It was like seven, seven and a half. But a good win for Baltimore. You know, they were down at half. I didn't think they'd pull it out at some really rough throws from Lamar. Um, but, hey, a win is a win in this league, man. And like I said, I think the Rams could make a little push for the playoffs. I, I Are they 6-6? Six and six? I'm not sure what their record is. but uh, Either 6-7. and seven. Okay, it might be tough. Then. One of the few only Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the NFL. And cross town, Justin Herbert's now out. Which okay. that Thursday night game is looking bad. C.J. Stroud goes down. Yeah, here I am making a huge deal about quarterbacks. I, I I just said it. At least you have Trevor Lawrence. The ankle held up. Jacksonville's not going anywhere without Trevor Lawrence. And then I look at two losses in consecutive weeks to backups. And here's Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, leading maybe the, the best team in the NFL. And, and obviously he's proven others wrong. He might win the MVP. He could. He's second favorite right now. Him and Dak Prescott, right? Right. But, I mean, just with the – if we're sitting at a bar right now and I say to you, quick, give me the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL, Mm. are you mentioning Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy? Absolutely. Hell yes. I don't know if I would. Ten? I mean, there's bad quarterbacks, man. I don't, I don't even know if I can get to ten good quarterbacks. I would go Trevor ahead of him. I don't know about I would go Trevor ahead of 
Purdy, but I don't know if I would put Trevor ahead of Dak. Okay, I'm, just, I'm trying to make a case for 10. I would say Trevor. I would say Mahomes. I would say Allen. I would say Tua. I would say Burrow. Stroud. I would say Lamar. You would take Stroud over Dak. I would say Herbert. I would. Ah, oh, I don't know. About Dak's that, one. Dak. Dak can't win. I'm just saying. Dak can't win the playoffs. And C.J. Stroud can. Wow, I mean, he's I just saw a the rookie. man lose to Carolina. Exactly. He's just a rookie. Exactly. Like pump the brakes. Herbert. Yes. Uh, a healthy Burrow. Absolutely. A healthy Rogers. So a healthy, a healthy Watson. I don't know if I'd put Rogers over. I mean, it's hard to even put him. Anywhere right now. I guess what I'm trying to do is, last year we had this conversation about Tua. Last year I was like, I still need to see more out of Tua before I become, you know, a major fan of what he's done. I said, oh, I didn't even mention uh, uh, Hurts. And, and I said the same thing about Hurts. And, and they both have grown on me. Okay, but, but let's say you put Dak on Miami or you put Dak – on the Eagles, like, don't you think he would do just as good, if not better? Yeah. I, I don't even like Dak. I'm just saying he's a great regular season player. I agree. When it comes to the playoffs, I wouldn't bet a dime on Dak. But we're not talking about that. What is his record in the playoffs? Do we know? I think he has one win. Let me... I mean, he looked real good last night. There's no doubt about that. He's two and four. He's two and four. Wow, he's he, only done uh, four times. He beat Seattle in 2019, One, two, three, and he beat four, five, six, seven. This is his eighth year. Okay, so he's had seven Tampa opportunities. He's two and four. All right. Not great. No. But I just, I just think he's a pretty damn good regular season quarterback who's always going to get you like ten wins. And when you look around the league, that's pretty good. Would you rather have Dak or Matt Stafford? Like for just this season, like at this point in time, mm -hmm. for one season, probably Dak. But if you would have asked me two years ago, I would have said Matt Stafford. How about Dak or Jared Goff? Dak. Okay. But it's close. Oh, the quarterbacks that are out. Cousins is out. Dude, look at Thursday night's game. It's it's, it's Aiden O'Connell versus whoever the hell the Chargers Easton yeah. Stick is that his name? Yeah, <laughs> what a matchup for Al Michaels, dude. Oh, it's gonna be. A, oh. He's gonna love that one. Two five and eight teams squaring off. <laughs> Let me see here, real quick. At least he'll be in Vegas. Ah, uh, he uh, and you know he's gonna play the under, which is gonna aggravate him, even though he's losing money. And if the under comes in, he's going to be absolutely uh, beside himself uh, when that actually does happen. What the heck did I do with it? Uh, come on, Malou. You're going absolutely nuts here. Looking for uh, Chargers. Here we go. All right. Herbert is out. It is. It's Easton Stick. He went 13 <laughs> of 24 for 179. He was sacked a couple of times. Fifth-round pick in 2019 out of North Dakota State. Look at that neck. He looks like freak. He looks like Paul Puzlesny. Looks like uh, Glennon. Well, Mike Glennon had a hell of a neck. 
All right, let's take another break. we got much more to do. Getting a ton from you uh, in on the text line. It's always appreciated. We'll get back to some of what you had to say. 641-1010, best way to do it. That is the text line that's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5FM. All right, even the great ones rest. That is the Blue Crab Crab House. They are closed on Monday. Back at it tomorrow. All right, $2 margaritas on Tuesday, dollar oysters on Wednesday. You can pick up those $50 gift certificates. They're good for $65. All right, just go on by and pick them up. Still room if you have a company and you need to put something together, uh, put something together quickly for a holiday party. Do that. Uh, just give him a call. Two six zero crab. I was out there on Saturday. Had a blast uh, with the GF and her her four year old granddaughter. In from Texas, just uh, just loving it. Before the Heisman was announced, so check out the Blue Crab Crab House right there off of San Jose. It is on Julington Creek Road. Got this year's Heisman right. One, two, and three. Couple of folks on me about you know why I didn't select Jordan Travis and I, I I just you know he got injured and I didn't think it was a Heisman year for Jordan Travis that was a very good year for Jordan Travis if he had played the those two games if he had finished that one out against uh, whatever the heck it was, Northern Alabama, and then, you know, was there in the swamp and then knocked off Louisville and put up big numbers. Uh, Is there a chance I would have had him in my top three? Yes. But he missed three games. So that had a lot to do with with my my selection there. And, And again, with this Florida State football team, what makes them so likable is look at today with all the All-American lists that came out. Florida State had a second-teamer and a third-teamer. Jared Verse on the edge, and you had uh, Braden Fisk, uh, third-team inside as a defensive tackle. But that's it for a 13-0 and team. Mike Norvell won would transfer kids like those two and Mike Norvell won with three stars. It's going to be very interesting to see what Mike Vor- Mike Norvell does when he starts bringing in four- and five-star freshmen and if he can develop those players. What a crazy weekend with the transfer portal, too. And, guys, it is going left and right, left and right. It's really, like, the most hectic time of the year. I mean, imagine being a coach right now and – you're preparing for a bowl game slash playoff. You have to worry about recruiting in the portal. You have to worry about closing the deal with all these kids before early signing period. Like, this is all happening at once. The NFL, although I state every day on this show how much I love Saturdays more than Sunday, when it comes to, like, the off-season scheduling of things, I mean, they are just the best. Everything is spread out perfectly free agency, draft, schedule release, da-da-da-da-da. College, it's like, all right, we got two weeks. Let's get this done. And it's crazy. Like, the Miami is getting visits from 
two quarterbacks, the Washington State guy and the Kansas State quarterback, Will Rogers, I think, as well. Like, it's it's crazy. Well, yeah. I read somewhere that, Je- that, that the kid out of Jacksonville, Sims, was in at Miami. Then I saw later that he wasn't in. Did you see that? No, I didn't see. I saw he was in the portal. He's transferring from Nebraska. Um, but also, when it comes to high school recruiting, tonight we had huge news. Riola, who's like the number one quarterback in this upcoming class, who's been committed to Georgia for a while now, just decommitted, and it looks like he's going to go to Nebraska, which is crazy Nebraska's- considering Nebraska hasn't done anything in 25 years. Well, they're making a run at uh- – some transfer portal guys. Some Ohio State kids, right. their quarterback, as well as uh, Fleming, the wide receiver. McCord, who McCord I've also seen yeah. talking to Miami. It, it's uh, Cam Ward, that's his name, the Washington State guy, who if you just go on Twitter, you would think Cam Ward already won two straight Heisman oh, trophies. He's like, like you can't miss prospect. Yeah, it's insane how much we're overhyping this guy. Right. But that's the state of Will college Howard, football. As you said, yeah, he's he's gonna visit Miami. Yeah, the K State. So I heard a stat. Speaking of the Heisman Trophy and the portal and everything, five of the last seven Heisman Trophy winners are all transfers. Wow, nuts! Truly, Drake May declared for the draft. No surprise there. Cam Ward again. He'll visit Miami tomorrow. He's evaluating Florida State. <laughs> Shouldn't Florida State be evaluating, evaluating him? him? <laughs> that's the state of the game. Right. These kids have all the control. Riley Leonard, I believe, to Notre Dame. DJ Uyangalele, we don't know. Kyle McCord, we don't know. Again, I heard rumors about Kyle McCord in, in, uh, in Nebraska. So quite a few quarterbacks that are out there. Florida State's going to have to get one. Miami's going to have to get one. Yeah, it's fun, but as a fan at one of these schools, it's – Nerve-wracking. It's fun, but it's, you know, if it's, it's, if it's a one-year deal, it's a one-year it's a one-year bridge. You know what I mean? As opposed to, to getting these young guys and... Watching you know, them do, work and they redshirt. Yeah. And I remember... I mean, like, Tate Rodemaker is going to be the starter for that ball game. Brock Glenn didn't do a lot to impress. And then you got that very impressive young man who's coming out of Savannah, who mm-hmm. will be going to Florida State. Denny Thompson said he he's the best him. high school prospect at quarterback he's ever seen. And, you know, Denny knows an awful lot about quarterback play. Florida has the best quarterback in the state coming back next year. I know. I know that's insane to think about, but it is Graham Merce. There's no question he is. And Miami opens the season against him in Gainesville. Jeff Sims. Out of Nebraska, available. Be his third school. Yeah. I still can't figure out the rules here about how these kids are allowed to go place to place. And There are no rules. Some are and some are not. Uh, one other note, and I love, uh, you know, it, it, the Herbie uh, situation is, um, is absolutely crazy. All right, Kirk Herbstreet now is all up in his feelings. He's wondering why, you know, folks are upset with him because he, in fact, doesn't have a vote. Uh, he talks about – and here's – the it, 
I love lies. Or I, I guess I should rephrase that by saying I love catching people in lies. Okay? Here's Kirk Herbstreet during a radio interview uh, either today or Friday on Mike Norvell. I love him. I love him. People were trying to hire Prime because they didn't think Mike Norvell was the answer. I was the guy that was pumping up Norvell, saying he is the answer. Give him time and allow this thing to get back up, and he's been able to do that. Okay, when Mike Norvell was hired, Deion Sanders' name wasn't even mentioned. He hadn't even graduated from college yet. He wasn't eligible to go to Florida State. You need a college degree in order to be a college football coach in Division I. So this is a bald-faced lie by Kirk Herbstreit. He also went on to say that, you know, he doesn't have a vote and people are all upset. They're not looking at the facts. Instead of just owning it, when, at least Feinbaum owns it. At least Joe Klatt, uh, Joel Klatt owns it. Reese Davis owns it. Come on, Herbstreit. You are a major player. In all of this, you're in bed with the SEC. Your word traveled many, many miles. Own it. People will respect you more. They'll disagree with you, but they'll respect you more if you have a backbone and you can stick with what you went with, not change it all up and, oh, I didn't have a vote. It's not on me. I don't have it. Such a coward. <laughs> Such a major coward when it comes to Dr. Herbie. All right, final thoughts coming up on the other side. Let's get back to you. A few more in on the Jags and uh, more questions than answers. That is definitely the deal right here on a Monday night. I am Rick Blue alongside J.J. LaSelva. To the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, interesting here. Uh, 0981 says, why um, does it seem the players and coaches seem to shy away from criticizing a ref? Uh, it's ruined the integrity of the game. Media players, coaches need to light these guys up. Um, I'll tell you why. Because they're scared to get fined. Even though they make a ton of money, they don't want to get fined. They don't. I mean, look, look at that deal last week with... Um, Jamal Adams attacking a reporter, putting up a picture of his wife and saying, yikes. Players will say whatever they want to players. Players will say whatever they want to members of the media. Obviously, the media is going to do whatever they want. But players and coaches are going to respect officials because by criticizing them, they're going to be lighter in the wallet. I also think it's if you become the guy who is like, you know, absolutely savage to the refs, you don't think that the other refs are going to have that in the back of their mind or even in the front of their mind while they're calling your games next week? You know, like you don't think all these guys are friends. The guy that you're dressing down on the sideline and talking all this crap about after a game at a press conference, you don't think his buddy is going to be refing your next game. Like, that's how it works. So I th- I think guys also don't want to piss the refs off too much. 
I would just like to have – I've always said earlier about younger folks and more athletic. Um, higher paid. Higher paid, but graded. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going to have it here at the end of the year where, where coaches are going to get fired, assistant coaches are going to get fired, players are going to be waived or released. I would love to know – how these officials graded out, and the top ones, oh, they get the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, what about the bottom ones? What about guys that that rated so poorly that we find out, hey, they will not be returning next year to the NFL because they missed so many calls. They graded so low that they are going to be replaced by others out there who are next on the list. I, I think fans would appreciate that, but but they are so protected. And they're the only people who are protected, right? I mean, for the most part, it's fire away. It's fire away on team owners. It's fire away on general managers. It's fire away on head coaches, the players. The officials are protected. And... You know, it's always been that way to some extent. I, I I wish I had an answer for you as to why that is. 8399 Blue. Unfortunately, both Zay and Calvin have faced uh, mental health issues, which is a shame. And I wish them the best, but not surprising. They seem to be struggling equally getting on the same page with Lawrence or playing consistently. The last two weeks, they are 18 to 43 if you look at uh, completions two attempts, 43 attempts, 18 completions. That is terrible. That is awful. That is your number one and your number three wide receiver. And, you know, actually, I think Christian Kirk is their number one wide receiver. They are not on the same page. And I don't have an explanation for you. I'm I'm telling you, I, I watched them in August. We're not allowed to watch them practice once the season begins. You can go out there and watch them stretch. That is the media access. Once they start doing individual drills, and certainly once they go into uh, team offense, team defense, whatever, uh, the media is escorted out of there. I mean, that's a league rule. All 32 NFL teams do that. It's not a criticism. That That's a league rule, and, and that's fine. But that was not the problem. in August. I mean, they were on the same page. I remember my daily reports and coming in here each and every night talking about how it didn't look like Calvin Wrigley had been away. And even last year with Zay and Christian Kirk, how they all looked as though they had been together for a very long period of time. You're correct about what you said, but, you know, I I don't know enough about that to, to say anything else uh, other than there's many more. Uh, I have to believe on this team and on every team that is dealing with these issues as well. These two have just been documented because of, you know, some transgressions, uh, some transgressions and, and uh, some issues which were highly publicized, uh, particularly with Zay. I think he was in Buffalo at the time. And uh, obviously Calvin, when he walked away uh, from Atlanta, I, I'm shocked with Calvin, really. 
I am. I mean, I, I just, again, I thought this guy was going to put up massive numbers. He still has put up good numbers. But honestly, what is he? If you were to look at wide receivers in the NFL, where are you putting Calvin Ridley? What's he in the 20s, in the 30s? I mean, the guy has 53 receptions so far this year. Uh, it's a disappointment. 55 receptions, 97 targets, man. Wow. Even if he goes three for three here on Sunday night, 58 for 100, that's 58% for your number one wide receiver. And I just say Christian Kirk is the number one wide receiver, but I think it's the first time I've ever said it. I've always had Ridley in as my number one. And certainly if he resigns her, he's going to resign as a number one. So, big decision that Trent Bulky is going to have to make. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, uh, thank you to Key, Key Buick GMC. Absolutely love my GMC Sierra truck, the GF as well, here at Buick Enclave. Uh, some great vehicles right now on the lot throughout the month of December. Go on by and visit. Plenty of 23s, 24s. Used cars as well. Whenever you purchase a brand new Buick or GMC from Kia, it always comes with the lifetime powertrain warranty. It's across the street from Tinseltown, Southside, and Gate. For me, the big takeaway uh, is the health of this football team. Today was better than I expected. For starters, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, uh, he held up, and that's the most important thing. Uh, today, Doug Peterson as well said he was optimistic about the return of Walker Little. Ezra Cleveland, not as good with the knee, also the uncertainty with Andre Sisco, and obviously his growing. On top of that, you know, you have Trey Herndon with the concussion, as well as Tyson Campbell, uh, who has been out. We'll see if either of the three are able to give it a go. Uh, coming up this weekend against Baltimore. Um, also, uh, Brenton Strange is a guy who's been a healthy scratch the last couple of weeks. That is obviously a big-time concern for Jacksonville as well. they got to find a way uh, to get some of those football players back out there, uh, certainly before this matchup against the Ravens coming up Saturday. The latest numbers, Baltimore favored by 3.5, your total 43.5. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Hacker Nation is in Monday night. Uh, You've already had an opportunity to get some off your chest last night, but I I imagine you have much more tonight. Yeah, it's interesting when you do the fifth quarter because it's so fresh, it's so raw, it's right after the game. And it's um, a lot of negativity after losses. But I went back, Rick, and I watched the game again this morning, and and there were a lot of positives. But the one thing I took away, because people think the season's over and the Jaguars are frauds. I mean, if you go on social media, my goodness, it's a trash can right now when it comes to the Jaguars and how awful they are from the people that are on there as calling themselves Jaguar fans. They turned the ball over four times. Mm -hmm. David Njoku basically fair caught two touchdowns. I mean, the Jaguars played awful. 
Yeah. And it was 31-27 with an onside kick with a minute 50 to go. Cleveland's 5-1 and one at home. They're very good at home. Allowed 10 points at home. The Jaguars put up 27. I'm not happy about a loss. I'll never say, ooh, that was a good loss. But people are saying the season's over. They lost to a good football team on their home field. Tip your cap to Cleveland. Joe Flacco played great. But I think the Jaguars are still a very good football team. They need to learn, and I don't know if learn is the word, they need to run the football. Yes. And if you can't run the football, I admire them in wins. They they kept it over 30, even though the average per was down, 36 carries Tennessee, 30 carries against Houston. You look at yesterday's game, it ended up being one possession, as you pointed, but you can't throw it 50 times and run it 20. Agreed. Uh, you know, you can't. And, and the offensive line, although the crazy thing is Fortner, Sheriff, and Harrison have been in there the entire year. You would think there would be some continuity from the center to the right tackle spot, yet they're not even running the ball on that side either. Uh, they've been decimated by injury on the left side. We'll see what happens with Walker Little and Ezra Cleveland. But I look at the AFC as a whole, 11 teams are 7-6 and six or better. Four of those teams won't even make the postseason. And, Rick, honestly, I, I guess you would call Baltimore dominant because they have a 10-3 and three record. I watched Baltimore yesterday against a middle-of-the-pack NFC team in the Rams. I wasn't blown away by Baltimore. They didn't look invincible. I'm going to be very curious to see how Jacksonville matches up with them on Sunday because L.A. probably should have won that game yesterday. They kind of messed up in the fourth quarter. It went to overtime, and we know how it ended with the punt return. But I think this is a very good test for Jacksonville coming off back-to-back losses to play a team in the AFC that has the number one record right now. All right, what else is coming up tonight? Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. We'll stop by. We'll certainly look ahead to Baltimore, recap Cleveland. we got a little Monday night coaching with Campo. Dave Campo makes his weekly stop, and a guy you know very well from the sporting news, National College Football writer Bill Bender will stop by in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, sounds a lot of fun, uh, and that's Hacker. He's coming up right now. That's going to do it for us uh, right here on this Monday edition. I don't tech, uh, I don't check the text line. Now that the show is over, I just don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I don't think you got to be here to do it, or if so, I don't know how to do it. Uh, but you can get me on Twitter. That's Baloo, B A L L O U, ten ten XL for JJ Lasalva. My name is Rick Baloo. We'll talk tomorrow night right here on Into the Night.